Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, September 23rd. This is episode 71. I am Tony. And I'm Dennis. We're we're back. We don't have a guest this time. No guest. No, no. no it's just you and me. Yeah, but we, we have some things to, to talk about, though. It's funny that this year has been so heavy in pinball news, and lately it's been kind of light. Yeah, and, it's been a little light. But that's okay. That's fine. But what's been going on since our last episode? It's the story of my life. Mm-hmm. I work. That's you what do. I do. But no, actually, I um, I recently, uh, you know, I've been going through that whole mystery book kick and this and that. And I finished everything. I, 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 I finished all my audio books and I finished everything and I just needed something. So I re-listened to The Martian. Then after re-listening to The Martian, of course, uh, uh, I felt the need to watch the movie. Okay. And then after doing that, I felt the need to go online and hunt down a Martian translite poster to go with my Godzilla translite posters. So now I've got a so now I've got a Martian translite poster going with my Godzilla and my Skull Island King Kong Skull Island translite posters. Okay. So do you yay. do you like have them backlit? No, I don't. I haven't done that yet. It'll be a while. I'm looking at different ideas for to because I'm going to have to build that myself because. An actual buying one pre-made is like $250. Okay. okay. So, and I'm pretty sure that I can build them for much, much cheaper than that. It's I think you could. Just too. a matter of, I haven't done it. I need to get mm-hmm. parts and. Parts and time. Time and space. You know how it is. Yeah. It'll happen eventually. Someday. <laughs> someday. Someday. Just like everything else. <laughs> well, uh, in terms of. Me, let's see, uh, last, almost a week ago now, there was, I guess, Monday, the head-to-head pinball, uh, Australian-based pinball podcast had me on as a guest, episode 60, so I have a link in the show notes if anyone wants to hear that. We didn't have much news to talk about either, so it was just a, a series of mostly fun discussion segments, but that was that was fun for me to do, and then- You've been really busy with- just everything between articles and co-hosting other podcasts. It's just a guest hosting. And- yeah, it's just been a weird sort of confluence of timing, I guess. I mean, I don't have, I have no, I'm not currently working on any article other than preliminary research. So I'm not actually writing anything and I'm not set to be a guest host on anything to my knowledge <laughs> right now. So I think, I think I finally have a lull. Um, but yeah, it, it's been fun to do, uh, because I like talking about pinball and all the different people have a different angle. And then when I right. do the articles, I get to have a different style to, it's probably closest to what we do here, but I can just kind of go down a rabbit hole as much as I want. And if anyone doesn't like it, then just quit reading yeah, or skip some paragraphs or go to the new section or my favorite go online and complain. Well, that's what we'll, we'll bring do. that. that. We'll bring that up. Life. Well, that is life. Exactly. You just have. You just have to accept that. And then the other thing was last night we had at the area four hundred three club mm-hmm. our Deadpool launch party. I did not attend. You were not able to attend. Uh, I was able to attend, and I don't know exactly where in the end I I placed. I top ten somewhere, I guess, in that realm. I wasn't really paying attention to that. I thought I did pretty well. I felt. It's not the best I've done at a launch party, but it went, I thought it went really good for me. There were, uh, some, obviously I got eliminated. So there were some problem games. Two of my, we did a four strike setup. So mm-hmm. the way that works for anyone, I mean, it could always work 
any way you wanted. But we normally were in four people groups. Bottom two people would take a strike. As of your fourth strike, you're out of the tournament. If you were in a three-player group, and I was in a three-player group two times, uh, it's only the bottom person who took a strike. We varied that. Sometimes it's the bottom two. But yeah. this time it was just the bottom one. Uh, two of my four strikes came on ACDC, uh, where I just could not get all the way up and around that right ramp. And you need that to start all the multi-balls. Right. So that was my, that was obviously a problem that I need to work on. Uh, cause there's like a different, there are ACDCs all over the place and they all play differently. They're all tuned differently. So there's that. Uh, my very first round was a strike on, on Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, where I, I didn't even get into a multi-ball. Well, the Quills Quest freebie multi-ball, but I was close to my multi-balls, but I just, it was weird. Just the way the, I was having. Uh, Everything just kind of felt wrong. Well, but it was more like a rocket kickback went straight down the middle. And normally that's not a problem. There's a ball save that it activates, but it didn't activate the ball save in my, in that instant. It did it the second time it happened. So I don't know. Uh, the orb uh, shot, the drop target popped up when the ball was over the drop. So it gave me an air ball up over, flew over the sling. <laughs> and uh, I saved that one, but it was just sort of like, woo, this is going real weird. <laughs> and I, I don't remember what my, my one other, my one other strike was. I normally, the way I do these uh, match play style strategies is I go for second. Right. As long as I can. I just think you don't have to win. Just go for second. Go for second. Um, but I did, I did, I did get a few firsts. I got a first place on a creature from the black lagoon where I think I was the only one who, I think two of us got multi-ball and neither of us did anything really with it. But, uh, I think I hit a few more regular shots looking for the creature or something. So that was nice. I took a first on attack from Mars, which I know is your favorite game. Yep. That one at 403, I don't know if it was adjusted. It was brutal brutal uh my winning score was about i won i didn't even need to play my third ball and even after playing it i only had about 600 million wow i could not destroy the saucer i was close but like the scoop with the stroke of luck was shooting into the sling or at least it did on one instance for me so it was like nothing was safe everything was forbidden uh so that was pretty brutal and then my favorite matchup that I, uh, was when I was, uh, fighting for my life, the round before I was eliminated, I was on Mustang and I'm only noting it because I was in, th- I was in fourth place up until ball three where I took first by finally going into a more valuable mode and hitting <laughs> some shots and actually having a decent multi-ball. So that, that was nice because I was like, because normally Mustang is a death sentence yeah. for me. And I've watched other people are starting with one of the more challenging modes. I started with a very easy mode and then didn't even execute it right. So in the end, yeah, it was a lot of fun because uh, we're getting near the end of the season here and I need me points, but I'm, I don't think I'm going to finish top 16. I think I'm too far away on my point. I points. know I'm too far. I think last I looked, I'm around 18th in the state, but I'm just that gap. To get into 16 from 18 now, I, I would basically need a win, which I've never been able to deliver. I've gotten second, but I've never been able to win. And I don't even know if a win at this point would be enough. So You might need two. I probably would need two. Two would be enough, but that's a tall order. That's a tall order in this market. Yeah. So that's my intro. So let's go ahead and, and hop on over into pinball news. And the first thing I'll go ahead and mention is we talked a little bit. You brought up uh, that I'd been writing some articles lately. I did have an article that came out this last week on Thursday with This Week in Pinball, link in the show notes to it. And it's about pinball board sets. 
it's specifically about the major three manufacturers and their very first solid state board sets. And it just sort of rocks through the technical specifications from a player perspective. So not talking about like how the circuit boards are laid out, but a little bit of information about like how many controllable lamps could these boards handle? How many switches could you install maximum to, so you'd have a sense of just how many features you could pack into these things. Right. And a list of what games had those board sets and stuff. So, uh, overall, I thought I, Jeff had asked for this. Jeff with this week in pinball had said that there was desire for board sets. And I'm like, why? Why? I don't get, I, I didn't get it. I mean, some people will talk about board sets, like talk about system three games from Gottlieb or system 11 games from Bally Williams, but they're not really thinking about the board set. They're just thinking about games of that because they all have a similar feel. There's a sameness to them. Right, right. The board set is more of a generational type thing. Yeah, exactly. Or at least that's how I always thought of it. Yeah. I mean, to me, the only people who really care about the board sets are the people who are going to Pinwicky, uh, to use them as, to load up the repair guides. Right. And so, but there was a number of comments. So I guess uh, he, Jeff was right. There was a demand for it. Uh, I guess overall it went fairly well. I've always had, I, I, he and I actually talked about one in particular because there were some criticisms that got posted. And one of them was just the one we were discussing. Fundamentally, it was that someone doesn't like my writing style, mm-hmm. which I'm glad there was finally someone who was willing to go out and say I was boring. So, because that's basically what the argument was. Boring uh, is a strong word. It was flat. They dry. used the word flat. Oh, I like dry. I like boring. I would have said boring, but yeah, dry. That it wasn't there. It wasn't enough drama. He wanted drama. He wanted to know like why did they go with solid state board sets, for example. Like he wants to know the reasoning and the challenges they faced, not as he inaccurately described it as a pinwicky dump. First of all, Pinwiki is a nightmare to read. So that would have been a lot of work if I could have gotten away with just using Pinwiki. I did actually have to use multiple sources, though. But that said, his ideas for an article would be interesting, but probably not the type I would ever write. But he referenced the other ones, the other documentary style. So I'm assuming he means like the guides, the designer guide and the manufacturer's guide, and not really liking that flat approach to just saying this is what they did. Instead, he wants to know like the drama behind it. But- you know, I don't write scripts for Lifetime, and I don't write drama. So, if you want drama, you got you got to hear me guest host on some <laughs> stuff. Then, then I'll talk something. Whenever I go on to another podcast, that's what I I open with. As I say, how, what tone do you want from me? So I know what you want me to. What do you want me to be? But on writing, you just get how I normally write, and that is flat. So anyway, but for those that want a flat article, there is a link in the show notes so people can read about it. So now let's move on to some real news because there is not much here. <laughs> We're going to burn through this real fast. Well, you would think, but you and I, we have a way of stretching this out. So so let's talk about Oktoberfest, because while we were recording with Jason two weeks ago, Joe Balser was at a pinball show, I believe out in Vancouver, Canada, and formally announced what everyone already knew, that Oktoberfest is their next game. There had already been some information indicated on some other interviews, I think, Head-to-head pinball had uh, Josh Kugler, I believe, on at one point. So I think that most of this comes from there, but it, some of this could come from various sources. And that is, we already knew that the theme is going to be family-friendly. Yes, family-friendly ga- titties and beer. We're, we're going to talk about that, Tony. We're going to talk about that. Um, Three-flipper design. Mostly open play field. No tight shots at all. And that the plan is to reveal it here in October at Pinball Expo. 
So you opened with uh, the titty and beer thing. So yep. let's let's focus on that because I think that's the issue that remains. And there's been a lot of online discussion about this, including some defensive uh, posting from Josh, for example, uh, which is totally to be expected, I think, because they're very active. Uh, they being American Pinball have been very active on the forums, especially Pinside, and willing to communicate with the community. And that is because we haven't. He had some photos. I'm not linking to any of them because they're super close up. They're black and white. You can't really tell much of anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are other groups that are doing guessing games like this week in pinball. You're doing guessing games about. You know, I, I will it, tell you the most important thing that was learned from the photos. It's a pinball machine because that's honestly about all you can tell from those photos. Yeah. There was like one shot of a German guy with a cool mustache. Well, so for the art. So you have a sense right. of the whimsicalness of the art. Maybe. I don't know, because I couldn't see the coloring. So all the talks about the theme. And I'd say the online direction in the thread, though this is probably like most threads, where it's the most interested people that continue to participate, Mm -hmm. is that they're coming around on the theme, but then there's the issue on the family friendliness. Now, Josh Kugler has clarified that family friendly means about the humor. There will be a mode. There'll be like an adult mode, but it's not going to be like Rob Zombie's adult mode that will allow you to make a difference between how family friendly the jokes are. But the default mode and the first set of software to come out will be the family friendly version. They're not guaranteeing that the more risque humor be embedded initially. And that alcohol will be involved no matter what mode you're in because it's Oktoberfest. Right, exactly. So now when I hear Oktoberfest, the very first thing I think of is beer. Beer and, and 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 sausage. Okay. I sausage is a second for me. The for me it's the first thing that comes up to me is the beer and then there are the busty maiden winches serving mm-hmm. the beer winches or I don't know what the I'm sure there's a German term. So the women, the boobies. Yeah. And then the sausages are third, and then the lederhosen is fourth. Right. And then after that, I quit thinking about anything. When I hear the word Oktoberfest, just sort of, you know, we're doing like word association. If someone were to say, what's the first thing that comes to your mind is when you hear Oktoberfest, I'll go beer. That's the first thing. I'll be honest. I'll be 100% honest. Okay. I, I, I would have said boobies. Okay. Then and, beer. Okay. Different people will have different takes. Oh, wait. And that's, and that's fine. So... If they're not, but they're saying family friendly here. So they can't, in my mind, they can't be like putting on that mousing around femme fatale breasted no, mouse I style. I don't extreme. think, I don't think pinball's in that place anymore. So do you think Oktoberfest is a good theme? That's what I want to talk about is Oktoberfest is a theme pick, especially if it's going to be a family friendly theme pick. It's in all honesty. I don't have a huge, I don't have a huge up or a huge down on it. I think that it is a safe pick. But that said, if you wanted to go for something like this, I would have gone for a St. Patrick's Day or a Cinco de Mayo before an Oktoberfest. Okay. If you want to go for the, the, the kind of beerish yada, 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 that's the type of thing I would have aimed for from an American perspective. Right. Well, and see, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from an American perspective, if I wanted to make a game about a drinking holiday, I would have gone for the actual biggest drinking holiday in the U.S., which would be 
St. Patrick's Day. I agree. I I think it's the big... When I ask people, and I did this at the Deadpool launch yesterday, I, I asked them, what what do you think of is... When I say name the biggest beer drinking holiday in the U.S., what are you, what holidays come to mind? And St. Patrick's Day was the number one for everyone. Yep. The number two varied. I'm with you. I think Cinco de Mayo, which is an American holiday. Oh, very much an American holiday. People seem to, Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican independence. No. And, and it's not nearly as big of a deal in Mexico. It was an important battle, but it's not. It it is important in, in a single section of Mexico where it happened and they don't even care about it as much as Americans. We've embraced it as an excuse to drink beers. Yeah. And have to drink. Mexican beers. And eat yes, tacos. yes. But as if, you, if we need an excuse. No, exactly. To eat tacos. But if I hear Cinco de Mayo, the first thing I'll say again with the word association is beer. Beer. Tira- tacos is number two. Right. And yes, it would be Dos Equis and Coronas. But, but, yes. but, you know. And I have partaken in the mm-hmm. past on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, other people I asked, though, their second picks were often Fourth of July. Oh, yeah, that's a good See, one. And it, it does. See, it the problem sense. with 4th of July is, is, is let, let's face it, most American beers are really bad. Yes, but I'd like to think that on the 4th of July, you could just make it about beer and not have to say. It can be, you know, this craft beer. You know, it yeah. can be, you can make it be anything. You may, everyone, all of y'all who homebrew and you put way too much hops in your beer, you can pretend it's your crappy right. beer. That's what, what you can see, do. Because my thing, when I think 4th of July, I think more cookouts me too if if i were to say what the i mean word association again first thing if you say what do i think of the fourth of july first thing's fireworks right and then the second thing is cookout because i don't drink i I mean i drink but i don't drink a lot on the fourth of july typically but it's typically i'm also driving Uh, so i don't drink at all right so getting back to, to all of this and the theme as I've, I've said before, and I've not changed my mind on it, so I'm going to reiterate it again, uh, but trying not to be too repetitive. And that is, I just don't, I don't see any advantage to this theme. And I need to clarify. So when I say it's a bad theme, it's because I don't see how it helps them sell the, the game. It's not that it can't be a good game. It's not that it's an inappropriate theme. And it's not that the theme won't sell. I don't see how it really in a compelling way, helps move units. There's some people that I'll think otherwise. With okay, I don't think it's a great theme. I don't even necessarily so. I to me, it's it's a very neutral theme. It is, as I said earlier, I feel it is a safe theme. It is a theme that will work very well in bars, and I think that's what it's designed for. I think that this game is something that's designed to help out because not only will it go to this be something that will appeal to your normal operator who operates in, you know, a 403 club or a Logan's Arcade or, 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 or any of those big new arcadey bar thing, the barcades that have become so popular. This is a machine that will also appeal to uh, your more standard bars who might have a pen or two pens and an arcade machine and a golden tea and a couple other things, your bar and grill type thing. I think it'll have some apply there because it will fit into their overall uh, feeling uh, pretty well. I think it's something that we're very likely to see pushed out or, or, or pushed that way. But I don't think it hurts them in any way, shape or form. I don't think the theme itself is going to be a detriment 
I don't think it's going to be, you know, something that's really going to drag them down anything more than a normal, non-big, fancy licensed theme. And they've said they don't want to do licensed themes. They're staying away from the big licensed themes. So having grabs like this is the kind of stuff they're going to go for. Yeah, uh, I, I see the point. I just, I don't think American Pinball has an operator market that's worth talking about. So I don't understand why there would be a strategy to target the bars. Do they think they're going to grow it? This is a company that mostly sells pins to America. Spooky mm-hmm. Pinball went on social media a few weeks ago, very proudly proclaiming how they allowed Houdini's to piggyback on one of their containers, like two of them. So they're not going to sell these things in Germany. Now, right. maybe the strategy is, like you say, to target the pub and bar market. But I don't know how many pubs and bars really think that, well, Oktoberfest will fit perfectly comfortably in the lineup at 403 Club, for example. Everything else there is like a licensed theme. There's, it doesn't, it's not more worthy than Star Trek or Star Wars or anything else. Right. It, I can see where it's not more worthy, but it can fit in. And you have to realize is that pinball machines are something that are becoming more common in places you wouldn't expect them to be. I mean, like little bars that don't have anything will still have a pinball machine. I know I've seen pictures from several places where, you know, there's a random bar that has a PBR machine. Mm-hmm. And it's simply, it's a PBR machine and it's a PBR bar. because. Those there's a fair number of bars where if you ask them what they sell the most of, it's going to be PBR. And it, 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 for for what it was when I was younger and first started drinking to how popular PBR has kind of become, it's a whole thing. Uh, so I could, that's where I could see this as being the type of thing they're aimed for. I think that's part of having the shots not as tight, part of having a more open play field. And none of this we're going to know for sure until we actually get our chance to lay hands on it and see how it plays and this and that. But I think this is a game that's designed more for the masses than for the general pinball audience. Okay. That's a, it's a decent point. And let's talk, I'm going to talk a little bit more then about, about the nature of the theme and, and that challenge as well. Now I get the idea. And when Josh went on to Pinside, he's really emphasized this aspect about the family friendliness of it. And I, I, overall, I think that's all fine. He did make a point of stressing that the, cause some people had brought up the notion of, well, it's a, it's a holiday that's associated with drinking. So that cannot by definition be family friendly. And he disagreed. And, and I agree with that as well, but I didn't, uh, with his, I agreed with his disagreement. Yeah. However, he's not. It's not that you can't have alcohol involved and still call something family friendly. However, he kind of went to the, in my view, the other extreme and started arguing that, well, most households, drinking is very, very common. And so it's just, and this is how that is with the culture. And that's how it is with America. He did not research that because that is not true at no. all. 30, 36% of Americans totally abstain from alcohol totally abstain Mm -hmm. so his notion that it's super common for everyone to drink is challenged by the data that i've seen which was from gallup as of 2014 when they last did a significant alcohol consumption survey so that means 64 percent of people drink but a lot of them are people like me and don't drink very much only about four in ten americans regularly drink so my sense was he was implying that 
alcohol is a broadly appealing theme. No, it's, it's, most people don't drink that much. I know pinball's full of alcoholics, but that does not, (laughs) that does not reflect overall reality. Now, America has a stereotype of being a very puritanical society on a lot of stuff like this. And that's where I think you got to where some people were like, you can't reference beer or it's not family friendly. And it's like, no, 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 no. Beer is incorporated in all sorts of American life. It's perfectly family friendly to allow alcohol to be in the theme, in my view. But you do have to understand that a certain percentage of people are going to be offended by alcohol. Well, not a certain percentage of people are going to be offended by anything. By exactly. And that 36% of totally abstaining people are not all doing it because of morality. They right. may just not like the taste of it. They may not be able to drink because of medication. But because of the nature of that theme, it's, I mean, I just, I don't see it driving home sales. Uh, going back to just it being called Oktoberfest, a not important, not popular American holiday. This is not a big holiday. It's not Christmas. It's not Fourth of July. It's not even St. Patrick's Day. It is a third tier holiday. And you could have picked any holiday you wanted. So if you wanted to do something, I just don't, th- I just, here, let me, let me give it to you in the nutshell, Tony. This will sell worse than Houdini by a lot. I agree. By a lot. I do. I, I agree. So that's why I think it's a mistake. It's just a bad theme. The only saving grace will be that the game plays better than Houdini. I have no doubt that they could execute a better playing game than Houdini. And I think Houdini was fun when I played it. I don't have a ton of time on it, but what I played, I liked. But here's the thing. Let's look over at Jersey Jack. Everyone says that Dialed In is their worst selling game, but it's their best player. Mm-hmm. And, what, and that's a problem. What, and what holds it back, Tony? It's not a licensed theme. There we go. It's not a licensed theme. It is the it is without a doubt the Jersey Jack game I enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. I agree as well. Without again, I've not played a finalized pirates. Well, yeah. So but, we, we can't really weigh in on but that. But I'm not yet. super holding my breath on pirates either. No, I've actually there's a pin side thread where people who have been finding on location and the preliminary results of reviews are surprisingly mixed. Right. I don't know. And I don't know how much of that's related to theme because, you know, Pirates is not a good theme. No, it's a terrible theme. There's a better theme than Oktoberfest, though. It's a terrible theme. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I really wanted to say about the Oktoberfest thing. We'll learn more as it it moves along. Last bit of pinball news. There are two, quote unquote, new pinball companies that we haven't discussed. Now, one of them I've known about for a while. Uh, We've got Suncoast Pinball, which is making a game called Cosmic Carnival. And I believe that's the one I was aware of. Uh, you've seen a photo of it before. The layout is the white wood with, it looks very symmetrical with the two ramps. Oh, exactly. yeah. Exactly. I mean, it looks really boring. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that, uh, I mean, you know what I think about symmetry. Other than when I have to defend Matahari on head-to-head pinball. <laughs> you know what I think about symmetry. And then the, uh, the other one is a company called Great Lakes Pinball. And we don't really know much about them yet, but. That's true. But. Great Lakes Pinball is a very good name for a company. And I will personally be deeply disappointed if their first game isn't The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I bet you that's at least in the top three considerations. I mean, that would just be perfect. <laughs> One would, might almost say that it would be superior. <laughs> I never thought I would hear a theme worse than October. <laughs> But there I we mean, go. come on. They, they could license the music from the song. It shouldn't be too expensive. It was um, um, 
Why do you do It this? was Gordon Lightfoot. Gordon Lightfoot, come on. Okay, that's going to be affordable, but, but still. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you take these poor startups and you just kill them <laughs> in utero. Oh, this is terrible. Okay. So, speaking of terrible, let's talk a little bit about Orion's Belt. <laughs> Have you seen the video for Orion's Belt? I have no, okay. I, I didn't. So. I did not. I, I we didn't I, I saw the this. note. We, we I, I saw the note in here about it. I remembered hearing the 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 little teaser stuff about it, and then I realized that I just don't care. Well, yeah, you don't have a you don't have a, a pinball machine you'd put it in. So, yeah, all right. Here's the thing. I didn't know anything about this until this week. That's how unattuned I am to the hobby in in terms of mods. So Penn Stadium, which has a very popular product, Penn Stadium Lite. It's incredibly popular. It is. It, uh, provides, for those that don't know, it's, uh, it provides uniform lighting. It lets you control the intensity and the color. So a lot of people really like it because it's an easy way to give even lighting to a game and allows them to have the lights off in their room. Yeah. And that it also gets a lot of props because it lets people stream games. And a much easier way to see the ball for the viewing audience, the home audience. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's earned its chops. It's not, you know, I have issues with, I mean, you can do solutions that are cheaper that get you the lighting effect. Right. But that, I mean, that's But the problem you is, it's, the it's an ease thing. It, it is. It, it, it's and, it's and a situation ease, where you're paying so you don't have to do the work. Sure. And with the ability to modify the colors easily, if you were to want to move them around from game to game or whatever, you know, yep. there are things. No, it's convenient. It's, perfect, convenient. it's perfectly okay. fine. So It's awesome. The There was a sponsored post on This Week in Pinball this last week that kind of was the reveal for this new product called Orion's Belt. What I want to talk about, though, is really the video, because it was really weird. It's like about two minutes, 40 seconds long. And I have a link to it. It's, it's about it's two about, minutes, I don't 40 remember, seconds, I, I don't and 3.48 no. milliseconds long. No, time. I don't remember to the second. It's within five seconds of two <laughs> minutes and 40 seconds, though. So I'm being accurate. I don't need your, your sass. You didn't even see it. So I don't need your sass about how I'm describing the video. The video's there. It's weird. I've linked it in the show notes. Around, around, Tony. So within <laughs> two seconds, plus or minus, of one minute, 50 seconds, is when you actually see the product. But the way they do it, it's like emulating a cell phone screen, I think. And so it's like a picture within a picture. It's not taking up the full real estate of the screen at YouTube. You, when you go take a look at it, you'll see what I mean. It's So most of the video isn't showing the product. It's mostly like an anime robot or that football robot that Fox always does to promote oh, football. Yeah. It kind of looks like like that's the mascot for it, and uh, or it's like Genji in his in his anime costume from Overwatch. And I'm just I'm looking at it. I'm watching that. I read the write up on this week in pinball, and I'm still thinking I don't understand what this is doing. Apparently, it's it mounts near next to. Penn Stadiums, if you'd already have Penn Stadiums in. But what this fundamentally is, it's a flasher light system. So you install it kind of like Penn Stadium. You get to choose the colors and, and all of that, but it's for flashers. So it integrates in some way into the flasher system. So you can just have purple flashing brightly all over the place. So weird video aside, because there's really nothing to talk about on the video. Do you think there's demand for something like this? It's priced at $259. And I 
I can't figure out what it solves. I understand what Pensadium fixes. Yes. I don't see what this does other than allows you to perp things up. I see it. it, 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 it it's one of a couple of possible things. Thing one, Penn Stadium's initial idea and what they initially put out was awesome, but they really needed another product to solidify their line. So they just went with something that could possibly make sense and hope that it finds a audience. Number two is there could be seen as when you're going to the point where you've got all the lights out in your room, you've got your Penn Stadium lights lighting everything up. Those lights are bright enough that you could be seeing a doling out of the standard in-game flashers. So using this flasher add-on will bring them back up to what they were based under the original GI level of of flashing and blinding and this and that. Or they could just hate people with epilepsy. Hmm. Well, that is possible. And even I have worked against the epileptics and those with migraines by my flasher choices. Yes. But <laughs> there's a reason my wife won't come into the game room. Yes. Well, you know, there's <laughs> side effects. I, I apologize. But I'm keeping my flashers. I like them. The, uh, but, okay, so that that's the issue. Now, with Penn Stadium, see, there's no other real in-game. I mean, you can do what I do and put in a lot of LEDs on a lot of games, and that'll give you better lighting. But it doesn't give you uniform lighting because you're confined to where the spotlights are, where the GI is and all that. That's why the centers of some of the play fields are so dark because there's no real easy way to put GI there because if you're going to have a wide open play field, it would, you have to protect the lamp in some way. Mm -hmm. And if it's underneath, then it's not really GI lights, usually a controlled lamp that's used to control, to light an insert. It can't throw because it can't throw around, you know, you don't, you know how light so, um, <laughs> you understand light, yeah, right? Tony, you know, light, you know what light you know, is, you know what light is. So, but here's the thing with the flashers, you can always change them. So why do you need more flashers in a, in a system? I mean, people, I've never heard anyone complain that flashers were too difficult to notice. Or if you don't like the color of a flasher, you can go to Comet Pinball. You can buy like what I have. You can buy like a seven surface mounted diode or more flasher bulb and they come in different colors i chose a shade of white but they come in colors and they're cheap we're talking like at most a buck 50 a bulb i I understand but also what you're looking at is one of the things with penn stadium is it's not exactly the hardest thing in the world to move to a separate machine so if you've got only got if you've got 12 machines in your game room and you like to stream you can move from machine to machine without changing every machine. You could, with this add-on, you could do the same thing. You can move it from machine to machine to machine without having to go through and relight all of your machines. Yes, except we're talking about Orion's belt and it's just flashers. It's not helping the stream. But they don't, we, we don't know yet. It well, might. from what I saw in the video, it looked obnoxiously annoying. And well, based I could upon accept, what I've seen with I, most streamers I anymore, that. I could accept that's that. That's good. But, Again, it's so you can, if you, it didn't matter. I mean, at $259, unless you've got, no, even if you had a collection the size of, uh, Todd with Big Daddy Enterprise and you got 90 plus games in your game room, you could buy color LED flashers for all of them, customize the color schemes, and it's still cheaper than buying one set. So I don't, and I'm the, not going to disagree. So I'm going to wipe the drool off right, from the thought because, of owning 90 some odd machines. Because here's the thing, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but here's my thinking. The whole app control changing the colors and intensity, that 
probably people probably don't change that. They find what setting works for a given game, mm-hmm. and then that's the setting for the game. So once you know what you want, I mean, you just order a bunch of colored flash. That's what people do right now. You order a bunch of color flashers or whatever, or different color uh, of LEDs in general, and people figure out what color scheme they like. And then the rest of the bulbs can go to a different game and you just, you get it just perfect. And then you know what you want. I just don't see this product being good. We'll see. Good. I mean, good isn't popular. I, I'm sure it holds up fine. I mean, there's nothing technologically that makes it think it's a bad product, but I just, I don't think this is the next step in pins. I don't think this sells well. Maybe that's what I'm saying. Could be. And the video, I'm not sure. I, I really the don't video know. Video did not do him any favors. I mean, it's like it's just confusing. I, and I was that way on Penn Stadium when I first started hearing about Penn Stadium. But after seeing what it did for streaming, it makes sense to me for those specific situations. I think Penn Stadium allow is is a very elegant lighting solution. Yes. My only issue, and this just me personally, issue with Penn Stadium is the what. If you want to, you have to mess around with it if you want to take the play fields up. And I'm in the games a lot. As Even when you're over, you see, I, if something's wrong with a game, I just pop it open yeah. and fix it. And But the more compelling issue is that I understand the technology that's being used to provide the even lighting, and it's not at that price point. Yeah. They can make money how they want. That's fine. If people are willing to avoid work that much, that they- And it seems like they are. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. But this, I don't think this improves. Uh, this is like if you wanted more flashes than the game came with. So I'm sure there's an audience for that. I just don't think it's a big audience. I don't think it's nearly as big and as I the don't audience know how the ma- original product. And I don't know how many people of that audience are willing to drop $260 a game. I don't know. Because I don't think the audience for this is nearly as big as the original product. Because I don't think this gets moved from game to game to game with people. This is you get it in there and it's there all the time because it's not going to help with streaming. It's not, it's not a constantly on lighting solution. It's just a, it's an, it's a mod. It's a, it's a neat visual mod for those that want lots and lots of flashers. Yeah. Cause, uh, and if it's not just about flashers, their video failed. Cause that's all I could tell. Yeah. But I don't, I still don't know. We'll but, see, but it's a slow news week. So. Here we we'll are. talk about we're it for giving a while. it. We're giving it a lot of free press. <laughs> we're giving it a lot of free press. We'll see how it ends up being. Okay, let's talk. Let's go to our fun topic, Tony. Our fun, fun topic. Fun, fun topic. All right. So we have a Discord channel, and this time I have the link in the show notes. Yes, Nick. I uh, I just assumed everyone would go to the website to access the Discord. I don't like to link. I, some podcasts, some of the pinball podcasts, link. Like every way to subscribe to them in the show notes. Mm -hmm. I mostly have always just focused on. Well, the thing is, is once you set it all up, right? One time, it's just a copy and paste and it's easy just to throw it in. Sure. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't even. Do you not, do you not think that makes the show notes obnoxiously long to have like 20 different ways to listen to us? I think that's how. It's how I see most stuff. I see it almost, almost every time I check show notes for something, they always have. Links to, you know, Instagrams, emails, every, everything's in there. And okay. For, if somebody's working on something, it's the same way with like YouTube videos. When you look in the description of YouTube videos, I mean, uh, like people that I watch every single day when they put out, they put out daily videos and I watch them every day. And every time you look at their, their, their drop down information, it always has every link to everything hmm. you need. Okay. Well, I'll try it out because I, I actually just copy my uh, note draft over anyway. So, yeah, it's not going to be hard for me. Yeah. I'll try it out. Anyway, but the Discord's definitely, no matter what, the Discord's definitely in there this time. So, we had a discussion during uh, the middle of last week 
about pop. Well, it's about a lot of stuff, yeah. actually. It was kind of going all over the place. Uh, but the big thing that I wanted to focus in on was about pop bumpers, because we had a fairly robust debate about the value of pop bumpers in the modern pinball world. And so the way the discussion sort of went was that Pop bumpers are very, very common in pinball games. They always have been. Mm -hmm. But modern pop bumper layouts are designed to be very safe, as in they rarely put the ball at risk of draining from being when they exit the pop bumper area. But the original purpose, especially back in the EM era, was that pop bumpers were to randomize the ball and throw it away and cost you your turn. So let's have a discussion on this, given all that. Everyone... Everyone agreed in the Discord that those statements were true, that pop bumpers used to be about getting rid of your ball and pop bumpers are now safe. Right. Mostly. So what do you think? Should we still have pop bumpers? Are they needed? Should pop bumpers go back to their original purpose? Are pop bumpers good the way they are now? I fundamentally like pop bumpers. I like the aesthetic they add. I like the sounds that tend to be tied with them, and I like I just like the way they work. What I don't like is what you see in the modern where pop bumpers are. I have a trio of pop bumpers that are rotated to some orientation up here and lets the ball just bounce between them for a while and score some points because they never score a lot of points. I don't like that. I like singleton pop bumpers. I like it when there is a pop bumper on one side of the field. And when you pot hit it, it's going to throw that ball somewhere. Does it necessarily have to be placed in, a, in such a way that it's in, that it's going to be throwing a lot of drains? But I like the singleton pop bumper instead of... I mean, when you're playing and you've got good flow going and all of a sudden, you know, you miss a shot and she slides into the pop bumpers and suddenly it's like you can take your hands off the game and walk away for a little while. Because it's going to hover in the pop bumpers for 30 or 40 seconds. Uh, it's annoying. Uh, it's, as case in point, I've had multiple times where I've activated a timed mode. And I've burned half the time mode because the ball won't come out of the pop, it won't come out of the pops. And yeah, you can shake it, but that's more likely to throw it, keep it in the pops than it is to throw it out of the pops. So you just watch your time mode count down while you're bouncing around in the little trio of pops somewhere and it's just annoying. Hmm. So I think fundamentally, I like the pop bumper. That said, as I am one of those people, I love a center pop game. I, 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 I mean, the freedom prototype, Spanish eyes, that style of game that you like you the article you wrote, I really like that. I like what that does to it. Um, TNA has that singleton pop bumper. I like that. I like some of the older games where you'll see they'll have pop bumpers, but they're spread all over the field instead of being that tight triangle. That's my preference for pop bumpers, but I do think they still bring something that's very essentially pinball to pinball. It's something that is very. The type of thing you see in pinball, and when you think pinball, you think ball, you think flippers, you think pop bumpers. I mean, before I think spinners, which are my favorite thing in pinball, before you think about stand-ups or drop targets, you still think about pop bumpers first. Yeah, I I agree with you that it is iconic. It's as iconic as the flipper, and it is older even. Yeah. Um, I, I, as I thought about it, though, you know, it's a lot of real estate 
that could be better used at this point if we're not willing to make the pop-upers meaningful. And we had a bit of that discussion in the Discord about what about things like Game of Thrones, where they've gone, they've experimented with this idea like the pop-bumpers giving an award, almost like a mystery award right. where they would hit in all a line like a slot reel, yeah, yeah. slot machine reel. Playing slots. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that's okay. I, it's it's better than nothing than it just being points up there uh, because it's so safe. But, uh, yeah, I would say, I I agree with you, I would rather see some more unconventional pop layouts not necessarily always just having to be a cluster of three which mm-hmm. is just the go-to now and well not i mean i i was trying to come up with games that did have dangerous pops uh, total nuclear annihilation has the one pop bumper it's a dangerous pop bumper uh before that i mean the last one that i can think of with stern that i felt exiting the pops actually was fairly risky in a way that I b- believed was on purpose. Because, for example, I don't think Walking Dead was supposed to drain you. Yeah. I think that's a bad setup. But I think Avatar may have been designed to cause a lot of straight down the middle uh, results where it feeds out. Right. Uh, I think everything else, I mean, games like ACDC can do it. But the way that's oriented, I think that's a setup issue. And it was designed to always feed safe. And yeah, that, I mean, that wasn't the, I mean, they're supposed to be, slings still drain people. Slings are still dangerous and that's why they're there. So yeah, I, I guess I could see it one of two ways. Either make the pops a meaningful thing to shoot for because they like aren't ever. No, no. At this point, you probably want to avoid the pops as much as possible, which was almost always gener- generally true because there's just no points to be had. Right. Even on older games in the 80s where pops were starting to get safe uh it just wasn't a place you usually wanted to be because there's nothing some games have tried like star trek has super pops for example if you get a three in a row right to try and go and say hey now we've got enough compelling points you might actually want to be up there but by and large doesn't seem to be i mean i i like your idea more about having a pop bumper and having it be meaningfully placed but i'm totally okay with making pinball machines without pop bumpers I think that that has a bit of a bad rep because we got games like Junkyard that weren't particularly fun, but I don't blame the pop bumper missing. Yeah. No Fear didn't have pop bumpers. That's you a fun can, game. You can replace you can replace some with something else. Maybe something else that's iconic. Like why can't we have why can't we have the swinging target back? Where's my swinging target? Where are very targets a very target. Or what about roto targets? There are all sorts of classic things that we could do instead of. Yeah. That pops take a lot of space. They do. I don't hate having them unless, like, stern Star Wars. It's like you're never in them. They're, they're, it's a weird shot. The orbit is, you only go into them if you don't cleanly feed out of the orbit. So to me, it's like, I usually am only touch the pop bumpers, like one out of four games on Star Wars. I'm like, why did you even put this in here? Well, we could have stuck something else in. Right. And it keeps pointing that on, uh, for something very modern and, 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 and feedable is uh, Deadpool. I don't think Deadpool really needed the, the pops. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, they at least on the pro they've got it so that if you're ever doing the left orbit, you do feed into them so you right. use them a lot. But they're very safe. They're I, very, they're very safe. You fall into them with uh, if you don't complete your uh, inner right orbit to the upper left ramp shot, it falls yeah. right into the. Po- but again, all that does is get it back safely out into the lower play field. Right. So now, because one thing I could see, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not sold. I haven't 
sat down and, and, and like done, done the math, done, done, done the homework to make sure that this would work. But there are situations where I think if you removed the standard pop bumper trio, uh, completely and you could lay out and you could still just have just even like TNA with just a single pop bumper, it would give you some threat. It would give you some interest. It would take up a lot less real estate. And there's some very interesting thoughts I've had just with short brainstorming to do it. Um, case in point, if you get a, uh, uh, like Star Wars has and several games I lately have the, uh, the very hard little U-turn feed where you, you right, feed the through hor- horseshoe shots, the little yeah. horseshoe shots. I could see having a shot like that where instead of having the normal drop target set up uh, or drop or a stand-up target forms the center, having a single pop there, a singleton pop there, but still have the, the, the smooth feed around instead of slings around the edge. So if you hit it cleanly, it feeds mm, around exactly where you want it. I see. But if you don't hit cleanly, you'll ricochet off. You'll catch the pop. It'll throw you around. Your ball's going to be really heavily randomized. At the same time, I could see going also with a couple, like throw a ramp in an orbit. You get them fa- fairly close together, but not right on top of each other. And instead of having just the post uh, between them and have them separate, spread them out just a little bit more and drop a pop right there. Like you like on some of uh, some games, will have a captive ball between a, the ramp and the orbit. Very similar to that, except for drop the pop there. As long as you've got it set, so it's not a guaranteed insta drain. Every time you nail that shot, but have it there as just something so that if instead of getting the, oh, I missed the shot, it kind of, it glanced off and it fed straight back to my flipper and I can go for my shot again. You don't know where that ball is going to go. That ball could be going straight across, the straight across the play field. Something yeah. like that would be a lot more interesting to me. And I think it would let you free up more real estate, like you said, to put more things in. Even if you don't pull up old things, just let you do more and open up more shots because you don't have, you know, some 15% of the play field eaten up by this trio of pops and the slings around them. If you've got one pop or no pops, even I just, I like pops. I like, I, I like how they feel. I like how they sound. I like what they do. So I can see having them. That's why I, one of the things I loved about the TNA Whitewood when we originally played it was that single pop over there. Cause it was, it was just one pop. Mm-hmm. And it was really dangerous, but it was really satisfying if you caught it just right. And I enjoyed it. So I think I would like to see more of that in pinball going forward. Okay. Well, we've given our thoughts on Pop Bumper. So if anyone, feel free to comment on our social media or join the Discord and and join in that uh, it's not very far far up from the yeah. last conversation. Kind of pittered out after we hashed out our pop bumper thoughts so after that went nuts for like yeah it was uh, a it was a strange day yeah yeah it was mostly all one day so <laughs> it's very strange all right <laughs> we're ready for our last pinball part tony pinball it's time part. it's time for 20 questions 20 questions so for those that somehow miraculously are new to the show welcome first of all and second this is a game we have started playing and what i'm going to do here is Tony will get to ask me a series of 20 yes or no questions about a pinball machine. I have picked a pinball machine that I know he has played before, and he will have to do guesses without the aid of any searching tools up through the 15th question. But as of questions 16 through 20, 
It's open book. You can use IPDB or Pinsight or any other resource uh, to try and search it out and find the answer. Make sense? Yes. yes, it makes sense. Dave. It makes so much sense. Well, thank thank you. you for telling us. Yes, thank you, audience. I never knew how this game worked. Okay, Tony. So you can ask your first question whenever you're set. Is it a Stern? No. Is it a Gottlieb? No. Is it a Williams? No. Is it a Valley? Yes. That's four. Um, is it Solid State? No. Is it from the seventies? No. Sixties? Yes. Is it from 60 to 65? No. Is it a chainsaw running in the background that's definitely going to be picked up by the plane? <laughs> that, uh, I, I don't yeah. want to burn that I one. Know. I just, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps getting louder and louder and louder. Yeah. Neighbor, I think, finally, uh, it's the other one. They had, they dropped a tree back in the spring and they're finally chopping it up to haul off. <laughs> it's only been there for half a year. You gotta let it season. Now it now it's good. Yeah. You do smokers with it. Okay. Let's see. It's a bally from sixty-six to sixty-nine. Let's see. How do I want to cut this down more? Cut. Yeah. Cut wood. Mahogany. <laughs> oh. Let's see. It's one, two, three, four. You've asked eight questions. Okay, so I've got lots of questions to go. You do. Okay, well, let, let, let's just cut it out. Is it from 66? Yes. Well, that makes things easier. Is it sci-fi themed? No. That was question 10. Is it sports themed? No. Is it card themed? No. Wow. 66. Man, that's something sticking in. It's, it's, I've got like something that's right there. I just don't. That seems real familiar for some reason. Like I should, like I should have figured this already. Does it have more than two flippers? No. Does it have more than two players? Yes. You know, one of these days, I'm just gonna have to sit down and go through and just memorize every pinball machine ever made. That's only what everyone says that you need to do, Tony. <laughs> just memorize them all. It's simple. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy. I'm not doing anything else um, besides working. I know. <laughs> Is it Campus Queen? Yes. Fifteenth question. That crossed my mind earlier, and I was like, "No, no way." Because that crossed my because because that was the because that's the game I always think of when I think you know late sixties because it's it's kind of become one of mm-hmm. my grails. Yeah. And I was like, because I was the because that's why when I was sitting here, I'm like, sixty six. That sounds so familiar for some reason. I know there's something there. Mm. Yeah, it's so, super familiar. So, yeah. Oh. Valley, 1966. And you got it. Question 15. So, before open book. It's my best answer my, ever. My best answer ever. And that's right. Four-player game. Uh, was uh, manufactured in August of 66. Project started in March. It had a couple other versions, including... And there was a two-player version, but that one was the four-player version. Right. Because the two-player version was... Egyptian Sheba. Yep, Sheba. Yeah. Yep. And then the zip flipper version is Crocodile. Gator. Or Gator. Gator. Yeah. Not to be confused with the other zipper flipper one, Nippet. Right. So. Anyway, so. good job. All right. 15 questions. It's my turn. Oh. I'll keep count. We know this. We went through everything. So let's go ahead and you can start. Is it an electrical me- Excuse me. Let me try that again. Is it electromechanical? Yes. Is it from the 1970s? No. 1960s? Yes. Is it a Gottlieb? 
No. Is it a Bally? No. Is it a Williams? Yes. Is it three coins? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I think that was question seven. Yes, it was. All right. I figured it'd either be one of those ones you'd ignore because you'd owned it or you nope. would, nope. Or, or, uh, or it would have been at the top of your list. I don't know very many people who uh, have Williams games from the 60s that I would have played. So unfortunately, <laughs> once I had the dates <laughs> out of the way, I was like, what ones would Tony know I've played from that manufacturer, the least popular manufacturer of the 60s? <laughs> so I, I thought, I almost tried to narrow it down. I almost asked you if it was a Steve Kordak design. And then I thought, that wouldn't narrow anything, man. No, it wouldn't have. So <laughs> I was like, that's not going to help. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to remember when, uh, I, I guess Norm Clark did have a number of games in the 60s as well with Williams, but. It would, but yeah, but and then I was trying to remember, but which ones have I played? Like no, I couldn't think of because I haven't played Spanish Eyes. Yeah, so, and that's the only one I thought I almost maybe played. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought so, I almost maybe. Played. I know people with it, but I haven't had a chance to play. Okay, well, I'm afraid that's a new record for me. Also. That's a new record for everybody. I Everyone, think. this was a very productive time where we're picking game, like games that people should know <laughs> that we should know. Yeah, because. <laughs> Because obviously, uh, having owned three coins uh, meant I should know it. And you've probably talked about Campus Queen more than any other EM on this show. It's either that or Grand Prix. Maybe. Probably and you mentioned Queen. Freedom Prototype a lot as well. Right. So, it, so let's say uh, more than maybe any other ballet. Yeah. I mean, Freedom is a ballet as well. Yeah. That's probably lies. Lies, hacks. I think it comes up more often just because it is, It is like I said, it, it, it has become a grail pen. So it's something that is, but it's not, you know, I call it a grail pen, but it's not like it's, you know, it's not like somebody wanting a Big Bang bar. It's like a crappy grail pen. It's, yeah, but. It's hard to, it's hard to have, you've chosen poorly when mm. you're looking after that. It, it It's, it's. Right, right. Well, a lot of people have grails that are common. Yeah. That they just, they either looking for the right price or right condition mm-hmm. or they don't come up for sale enough. You know, just, just depends. So let's go ahead and move on over to video games. And bye, all pinball people. We love you. Bye, pinball okay. people. So I just thought at the start, uh, we, we should go ahead and mention, though, because we didn't talk about video games in the intro. Uh, any video games you're currently playing or working on? I've actually been playing pretty hardcore a couple of things. Well, I say that. I've been playing one game really hardcore and a couple of other games somewhat. The hardcore, the game I've been playing hardcore is a game we've already talked about. Well, you've specifically talked about, and that is Everspace mm-hmm. that you'd received. In, uh, Don had told yeah, you about. Yeah, Don bought me it. And, and yeah. Um, that game's amazing. It's definitely your type. It is exactly my type of game. I have, I bought that, that game went on sale, um, and it was on sale through September 11th. And I bought it like the, I don't know, seventh or eighth. And since I've purchased it, I've put 38 hours into it, I think. Um, it's been the primary game I've been playing. Uh, I like, I like the, the roguelike ability. I, lo- I like games that, you know, it's like, this game is hard, but as you play, you unlock things that stay unlocked forever, and the game gets easier, except for we throw stuff to make it harder. I like that type of gameplay. Okay. And 
I like space combat games like this. And I've just been, I've been really, really, really enjoying it. And at this point, I've successfully completed my first run through of the game, which is interesting because this isn't like a game where when, I mean, it's a roguelike, but all you do is the first time you successfully run through all of the stages and finish everything you're supposed to do, uh, it unlocks a new thing. And I mean, so you go back to the beginning and you just play through and you're playing to stage seven. You just have different goals this time than you did the original time. Because so the, the first, your first playthrough, you have one goal. You have to get to stage seven and successfully complete it. On your follow up playthroughs, after you've completed that goal, your goal is to get to stage seven, but you have to collect things in the prior stages to take with you to stage seven. Okay. And so far, I have not successfully gotten to stage seven after collecting those things yet. Okay. But it, I'm having a great time. I've been concentrating everything on just upgrading one of the three possible ships you can play. Uh, the one you start with, I have pretty much perfected at this point all of the unlocks on that specific ship. And I've been doing, a, I've been starting to do a lot of the unlocks for. Uh, the stuff that carries over to everything. Okay. So, the, so instead of being the ship specific unlocks, I've I've been doing a lot of the uh, pilot unlocks, and I'm going to start doing some more playthroughs in the other ships uh, before too long. But I've been enjoying it. It's been a ton of fun. Okay. Good. And in addition to that, uh, something that will uh, come up in some of our discussion later is I have uh, Nintendo. Uh, launched their Switch Online, so I obviously had to buy into it because otherwise my daughter could no longer play Splatoon, and yep. I, I I didn't want to listen to that. No, no, no. So, but the nice thing is what they've got going with it is they've got a deal. Uh, okay, I say deal. It's it, it it's not it's not a an actual deal. It's just what it is. The individual membership, so if I was to buy a membership for myself, is going to cost me $20 a year. Not bad. Uh, but I can buy a family membership for $35 a year that will let me have up to eight people in my family group. So I, and since I've got an account, my wife has a Nintendo account, and we have two supervised accounts, two supervised child accounts, one for each of our children. Uh, I was able to buy a family account and pull all four of us into it, so we all have access and play, and can so 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 the punk can play her her Splatoon all she wants and not be angry at me, and the rest of us can play whatever we want to play. I, I the main reason we have them is because all of the girls play Pocket Camp. Okay. So and they needed Nintendo accounts to be able to play Pocket Camp. Um, but. The nice thing is, is it also now gives us access on Switch to Nintendo's uh, NES, so a certain uh, NES games. Uh, it, currently, there's 20 of them. Um, I've been playing Super Mario Brothers, the original Super mm -hmm. Mario Brothers, and Super Mario Brothers 3. And I've played some Gradius and some Excite Bike, which. I remember that game being a lot more fun. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and Gradius, still fun, still hard. The original Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 3, still awesome. Um, 
I've also played some River City Ransom, and I don't remember that game being that hard. Mm. Yeah. But uh, so that's all part of what you get is doing the Switch online. So, I mean, if you've got a family or you don't have, they don't have to be family. You just invite people in. So, honestly, if you've just got a tight friend group, you can get eight people in for for $35 mm. just a year. And it's just, it, it's it's the way I would recommend going. Okay. Because the other thing is they've added, besides just having your normal couch play with these games, a lot of them have online play too. So, I could play on my Switch and and. Dennis could be on his non-existent Switch mm. and be playing, and we could play Super Mario Brothers three together. I don't know why we'd ever want to do that, mm. but it's something that we could do. Okay, uh, so it, it's just interesting. And like I said, they've got twenty games out right now. And I was originally going to cover this in topic later. I'm just going to cover it now and get it out of the way. Okay. Um, Ghost and Goblins, which I've played a little bit of. Uh, Excite Bike, as I mentioned, Tech Mobile, Yoshi, Double Dragon. Uh, Gradius, Ice Hockey, uh, River City Ransom, Pro Wrestling, Baseball, uh, as in Pro Wrestling, then Baseball, not Pro Wrestling, Baseball. That would be kind of cool, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, Balloon Fight, uh, Donkey Kong, the ever-popular Dr. Mario, uh, Ice Climbers, the original Legend of Zelda, which I haven't played yet. Uh, Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 3, so no Mario Brothers 2 for you. Mm. Sorry. Oh, well. 3's uh, good. Uh, tennis and soccer. They've also announced nine more games. They're putting out three games a month for the rest of the year, uh, it, at least, is what's been announced so far. So in October, we're getting Solomon's Key. I've never played it. I've heard good things about it, but I've never played it. Um, NES Open Tournament Golf, which was, if I remember right, the golf game that I had on the NES. And we played a lot of that. I think that was one of the few NES games my dad would play. And Super Dodgeball. Uh, November is getting Twin B. I have no idea. I don't recall it at all. I don't know it. Uh, Mighty Bomb Jack. I no idea. It. And Metroid. No okay. clue. Never heard of yeah. it. Yeah. I know. I've never, yeah. Mystery. Mis- total mystery. Uh, and then in December, we're getting Wario's Woods, which is, I didn't realize there was a Wario game on NES. I didn't either. So, I thought it was newer than that. So did I. So, obviously. And uh, Adventures of Lolo and Ninja Gaiden, which I recall playing tons and tons and tons of. And that game was hard. Mm-hmm. That game was like XCOM hard. That yeah. game was just insane. So we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what else they add in the coming year or so. But I've yeah, I've been playing a lot of Super Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. like the old 2D Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Well, it's a it was always a very well balanced platformer. So yeah, it should hold up. Yeah, especially three. Yes, three's yeah, three is three solid. Was, yeah, three was one of the one of the best, if not the best, game to come out on the Nintendo. Yeah. If you were to do broad polling of people, I think I, I, I think I would, it would win. I would say that. And it's fun when, when when the punk is watching and I'm doing stuff until she's like, how did you know that was there? It's because I've always known. Mm, yes. <laughs> I've always known there was a warp whistle hidden there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo power. <laughs> I've only been playing a couple of things besides the latest competitive season of Overwatch, which I've talked about before, so I'm not going to go into it, that. Then I've also started Assassin's Creed Chronicles Russia. 
And that's like a 2.5D yeah. uh, stealth game. I've played the China one a few years ago, and they've all been available for free. So I have India, which I haven't started yet, and I have Russia, which... You just started. I, yeah, I did, but I, I'm trying to think when I got it. It was maybe over a year ago. I don't remember. One of them was on was free recently, but I've just downloaded them and I didn't want to play. I other than finishing Dragon Ball Fighter Z's story mode, I'm all caught up on my disc based games. So, just in time for your birthday, pretty much. But so I haven't wanted to put back in the disc because it's like I'm lazy. Overwatch is in the in the tray, and I thought, oh, let me go and try this. It's hard. Um, harder than I remember China being at the start, hmm. but I mean, you can do things a little bit easier and get a lower ranking and I may do that. I may also just not finish it. I don't know yet. I'm not feeling it. Is it hard or are you just not as good? As you I might not be as good, but I mean, you'd think you're not a, as good as you once was. I'm like on chapter you're two. you're as good once as you ever were. Well, you'd think I would always be at least good enough to do chapter two, but I don't know. Maybe not. It's weird. Uh, so anyway, I, so I've been playing that. Now, you touched on the Nintendo changes because Nintendo had a Nintendo Direct. They did. Uh, which I believe had been pushed back because of the earthquake that they had. Yeah. But it's happened now. Yes. So, was there anything else that caught your eye from it that you have not yet mentioned? Yes. There were several things. Uh, I think the biggest uh, thing, besides the fact that Nintendo Switch has obviously become the port all the things machine. Because they're, it, it, it's just like 90% of everything on Nintendo Switch at this point are ports from something else. Uh-huh. Um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because the portability lends itself to certain games works pretty well. Right. So I'm going to open with a game we've talked about. I think we, ta- I know we have talked about it. Mm. I think we talked about it on the podcast. I don't remember. Uh, and this was actually announced before the direct is Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Yeah, the Busket game. The Busket game is going to be on Switch. I have no idea how they're going to handle it all. Hmm. I have no clue. I'm excited though because I enjoyed that game, and I have a lot of good memories of us sitting here in your house playing Busket. Yeah, because that was that was where Thug was truly born. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, you were dead a lot. I don't need no busket. Kill it all. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't think we had touched on that really on the podcast. I've yeah. heard it on some others mentioned. Uh, yeah, I've heard it on others. And I've had like 12 conversations about apparently this. Apparently, it's fondly remembered by a lot of people. So it was not, a good not just It, it us, was fun. So. I enjoyed it. Uh, and tied into that, that whole porting thing is what makes me really what I'm looking forward to the most uh, out of. Yeah, I'll say it. I'm most looking forward to it out of pretty much everything that's been announced, was announced in this Direct, is they are getting Final Fantasy 7, 9, 10, Meku Meku Dress Up, 10 2, yeah. and 12, all ported to the Switch, and most of them will be, the ports are coming in 2019. Right. So you want to revisit those? I want to revisit those. Okay. Um, I would like to replay seven and nine specifically. I never played Mako Mako Dress Up. Mm. I played the demo of Mako Mako Dress Up, but I never actually played it itself. You know, because I'm one of the people who didn't like 10. Actually, a lot of people did not, but 
I, you know, I was talking with someone and I was trying to rank Final Fantasies and I ranked 10 somewhere. And then as I thought about it, I think I realized I didn't actually play it. I think I saw you playing it. Yeah. And I saw enough of it to form a rank. Yeah. <laughs> and it should be low. And, uh, I know I never played nine. Nine. And now see nine. A lot of people don't like nine. I love nine. Why isn't eight in this list? I don't know why eight's not in this list. Mm. And I looked to see why eight's not on the list, but I couldn't find anything more than the speculation. And I hope eight is added to this list because I really, really liked eight as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's what I'm looking forward to mm. probably okay. the most though, because I would like to revisit some of those. Am I going to play all the way through and knock out? You know, the, the 60 to 100 plus hours per game and do the... Sure. Probably not. Yeah. I, I mean, it's one of those things you... I mean, there are Final Fantasies. Six and Six's job system is amazing. I really enjoyed the Materia system in Seven. I think mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite magic systems. I did not like the draw system in Eight. Okay. I did like... uh, uh the way they rebuilt and the way they, I mean, nine, I just like nine story. Okay. And I liked the summons in nine. 10 we've talked about. I never got into 10. I, I never completed 10. Oh, okay. I got most of the way through it and it was just like, I'm not having fun with this game. So I never completed it. Um, 10, two, I never played. I've heard actually better things about it. I have too. I have as well. But I've never played it. And 12. I've never played 12. No. I don't. I don't have anything in my mind with 12. Because I I played 13. I played 13. Because when 12 came out, I think was when we were still doing a lot of 11. Yeah. That's probably true. But But I never played 12. Uh, Also, while I have no interest in it, um, they are getting the... uh, uh, mobile version of Final Fantasy 15 because the Switch can't handle the full up game. Mm. I, oh, okay, yeah, I've seen shots of the of the mobile version. Right, which it's supposed to follow the same story beats. It's the same story. It's just it's designed for mobile stuff. So okay, I, I, I don't. I'm not going to play it. I'm not going to get it. I have yeah. no interest. I, I I have my interest in playing Final Fantasy uh, 15 after having watched the whole first chapter played. In a uh, 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 on Twitch is if I ended up with a system that would have the full game, I would probably eventually get it on sale. Mm. But an Xbox One or a PlayStation Four both have games that I'm much more interested in. Yeah, than Final Fantasy Fifteen. It's uh, I mean reactions on that. I I played I played in one fifteen. It I didn't like the combat system. And that's why I can't recommend the game to anyone. Yeah. I, I found the combat boring. Very boring, actually. See, the combat re- kind of reminded me of being the more, like the Tales games. It's yeah, the much it, more active. They went action with it. Yeah. But the way it works, I, I just don't like the way it works. It feels, oh, in some ways, simplified and in some ways confused in how you're supposed to combo your maneuvers and yeah. what weapons to equip. It In a way, it's both obtuse and simplistic at the same time. I just, I never, I never found it enjoyable to do the combat. I would have rather had a turn-based than them attempt to do an action RPG like that. Have you played any of the Tales games? Not, not any of the, no. No. We'll just say no. Okay. 
I, I was I just wondering. If, one I was just wondering if it was better or worse than any of the Tales it's games. Lo- I, I've seen, you know, I've seen things from the Tales games. It looks worse to me. I think the Tales games made more sense. Uh, how you could control the AIs made more. So I don't. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, I've played other action RPGs. Yeah, they were all better than this. Okay, but others disagree and really, really like it. I think that Final Fantasy 15 has carried on its story, and that they resolved that issue that a lot of people complained about 13, that it was too linear. Yes. So there's very much more open world. So it's got that go. It's got a lot going yeah. for it, and it looks great. I don't. 13's not linear. Once you once you once you get to the main open world, I mean it's just, you know There's one open area with all the end game optional oh, fights. That's I it. know, I know. And it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, it yeah. It was no, really no, hard. I enjoyed I enjoyed thirteen. I really did. Thirteen was a joke. Uh in terms of I mean, the art in the background almost made no sense. You're just running from hallway to hallway to hallway. Right. That's all it is. It wasn't I mean, it it didn't have bring the same grandeur that a lot of the other games, but I actually enjoyed the gameplay of thirteen. Yeah. No, I, I thought I liked the combat. Even the storytelling was fine. Uh final hallway thirteen was great. That's the truth right there. Uh also, in the Final Fantasy vein, they're doing a port of uh, Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon. Um, I've heard of it. I've never yeah. played it. Uh, my 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 wife has pl- and my oldest daughter, the punk, has played the uh, uh, some of the Pokemon Mystery Dungeons. The Mystery Dungeon style games are very popular style games, so I'm sure there's a solid chance one of them might play it. I don't have a huge interest in it. We'll see. Maybe if it's you know cheap and Nothing else is out there that I want. Um, and probably what I, what I, from reading online is one of the more happier, happier things. The things that makes people happiest. Uh, they are doing a new version of the original Katamari oh, game. Okay. It, it, it is the first Katamari Damacy game. Uh, so I've heard a lot of people who are pretty happy about that. Uh, I have as well. I've not played any Katamari. I've not played any Katamari. It doesn't seem like the type of game I'd like. Actually. I've played games like Katamari, but I haven't played the actual Katamari games. So, um, we'll see. Um, I might grab it. And they're they're porting over uh, the new Super, Mar- or Super Mario Brothers U, which was the, the Wii U version of Super Mario's where they went back to the 2D. Okay. So... Uh, hmm. we'll see how that is. I haven't played any of the new 2D stuff they've done like that because they did one on 3DS also, and I never played it either. Um, but I honestly haven't. I haven't played a 3D Mario game in a while either. I mean, I've got a Switch, and I I haven't played the new one, uh, Odyssey at all. And we have it in the house. My daughter owns it. She is, and it's one of her favorite games, but I don't, I don't have any real interest in it. And, uh, the last 3D Mario game I played, I think would have been Sunshine. And I didn't really care about that one either. So I don't know. Mario might just be dead to me. Mm. Uh, they're getting a bunch of board games, uh, are getting Switch, uh, versions, Settlers of Catan, uh, Carcassonne. Munchkin, the Lord of the Rings living card game, which I have played one time and it's a fun game, uh, from the time I played it. Uh, I'm interested to see how they handle it being a living card game. Um, 
Yeah, that one's in there. I'm going to have to see how that one plays before I make a decision. And of course, your favorite board game of all time, Pandemic, is coming to the Switch. That's too damaging to children and shouldn't <laughs> be available. <laughs> or at least parental lock should be enabled by default. So those were the things that interested me the most. There were a lot of other stuff. There was a uh, uh, some teasers for a few other games, including like uh, 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 oh, why can't I? I I didn't have it written down. I can't remember the name of the company put out it, but it's called Town. It's uh, RPG, except for you're just going to stay in town. Oh yeah, I I yeah. heard something about that. Yeah. Right. yeah, it focuses on the the town side of all those RPGs where you go and eventually visit towns, but center it all around a town. Right. I don't know yet. Well, yeah, I, I have no idea. It can work or not. I don't I, know. I don't know. I, until I see a bunch more of it, I'm gonna before I make a decision of that. Uh, they added yet another character to Super Smash because at the, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that at the rate they're adding characters to Super Smash, you and me are going to be characters in Super mm. Smash by the end of the year. Okay. So that'll be fine because, you know, I hate that game. Right. And, I mean, they're fine. I'll, I play them. I think they're good party games. The fact that there's a competitive version of Smash makes no sense to me because it's literally dumb. Mm. So let's get rid of everything that makes this game interesting. And play it. They just wanted to be skill based. Yeah, it's no. just it's, they just it's want a just skill serious. version. They want it to be a respectable fighter, like all the other fighters. <laughs> Except for it'll never be that. Well, <laughs> now probably the biggest, happiest moment, the most popular thing, at least in my household, though, was the fact that they finally confirmed something we've known they would have to do unless they were complete idiots. There's an Animal Crossing game coming to Switch. In 2019, my ears bled from the squeal when the oldest watched the trailer. And the trailer showed nothing. It was that evil monster Tom Nook basically talking about how he's going to have to do to, to sell everybody into wage slavery again because that's what Tom Nook does. Mm-hmm. Is he, is he gives very affordable loan? He's a loan shark. It's terrible. It's a terrible thing. But yeah, no, it's. Well, that'll do very well for them. Oh, it's so. going to do so well. Even if it's a bad game, it'll do well. Mm. Uh, and there will be people who love it. Okay. I've never gotten into any of those games. They're I not- played one. I didn't. It's not my my type. But, right. But I know a lot of people who really do like it. So it's it's a smart move. I'm not. I have no intention of ever playing another one again, though. No, I don't either. I'm I'm good. I'm good on it. But mm. that's everything from the direct. That- Okay. Interesting. Well, that's that's not, quite a bit. I mean, very, yeah, I mean, that's not meaty. everything from the direct. It was there sound, was, sounded like everything. The, 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 there was more, but that's the stuff that was interesting enough to me that I thought I would mention. Okay. It's mainly I want to play Final Fantasy. Sure. Well, you have another option, you know, and that's called the PlayStation Classic. A mini PS1 is coming out. It'll be $100, and it'll come with 20 games. And my understanding is Final Fantasy VII is one of those 20. If it wasn't, they would be morons. Yes. Uh, well, anyway, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this. I just, I, In a way, this is obvious that Sony would jump on the bandwagon. They've yeah. Everyone's seen the success of the NES Classic and the Super NES Classic. This is a pretty high price point for an unimpressive quantity of games right. in my perspective what do you what do you i mean what do you think the overall reaction will be i mean the ps2 was kind of the generation that sony really owned 
I did have a PS1. It was important to me and mm-hmm. my console life cycle of my I, and I, I, I did as well. Mostly because of Final Fantasy VII. But as you've noted, Final Fantasy VII is kind of, you know, it's like the village bicycle of video games. It's on everything. It is. So I don't think that that will be enough. And since they've only announced a couple of the 20 games, we right. don't even know what yeah, most I of them are. Trying to, you know, mention much of anything. So, uh, but how, do, how do you think it'll do? I, I think it'll do terrible. Now, I think it should do terribly. It's going to be sold out because people are stupid. I'm going to kind of split the difference. I think it will be a, a moderately successful seller, but I don't think that they're going to be setting any records here, at least until there's a price cut. I don't think it, yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't see how it could possibly be as big of a deal as the NAS or the Super NAS were. So, and the price point's just so insane. Yeah. I mean, I know they're probably thinking, well, we're only asking for $5 a game, but the bottom line is most of the games probably aren't really going to be quote unquote worth $5. Right. Cause there's no, it's not like they're being upscaled or anything. It's. And, and see, and my thing is I try and think of, I try and think of original PlayStation games that I would really want to play again. And the problem is, is almost every game I come up with is a PlayStation 2 game. Mm. Yeah, PlayStation 1, the only things that readily... A lot of the classic Final Fantasy games I played that were ports to the PS1. Like, that's how I played 6 and 5 and got most of the way through 4, which originally sold this 2 in the US. Uh, So, I mean, the only two kind of PlayStation 1 originals that come to my mind are Final Fantasy 7 and Bushido Blade. Right. And that's it. And I would never buy something like this for two games. No. So, and I don't think there are going to be enough other games in that listing because you know that game is going to include a lot of the stuff that is, will, will, will tag the nostalgia buttons for certain people. But the thing is, is for most of those games that people really, really like, I'm not part of the nostalgia button for those games. Mm. I don't really, I never played them. And when I did play them, I didn't enjoy them. Yep. So who knows? But you may be right. I mean, it may fail. Yeah, maybe a failure. It could be. Speaking of failure, oh, let's talk yeah. about <laughs> talk about the last topic that you uh, wanted to bring up on this, and I read up on this today. In fact, because it has been big news in the video game industry, and that is the collapse of Telltale Game Studio. Yeah, and collapse I think is the only word you can really use for it. Um, yeah, the story has. If anything, only gotten worse the more I've learned about right. what's going on. I mean, and 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 now what what I'm going to say is I haven't read an update today of something's changed. I know over the last since it started yesterday, I've already heard like three changes and updates to it. Right. Um, so, but well, I know that Telltale laid off yesterday all but 25 employees. And they did release a tweet. Uh, I'm not going to get into it exactly. I'm just going to paraphrase it. it. That basically amounts to, um, we let go everybody but these 25 people who are required to finish stuff that, uh, uh, for like basically contract reasons is right. how it sounded. Right. And now the rumors I've seen online is what, what they're going to be finishing is their little animated Minecraft thing with, uh, they've been working on with Netflix. And I'm sure that's got to be a contract thing where it's, they would be in massive penalties if they didn't. Okay. Because I've also, from what I've heard, they're not finishing the walking dead, the final, final chapter. 
Okay. Uh, whereas uh, the last thing that I had read was, and again, the, without any knowledge, the speculation was the 25 people were to finish Walking Dead's final season. And that was the only thing they were working on anymore. Well, I hope that's true because they, the, the Walking Dead, <clears throat> Telltale's engine is crap. Yeah. It was I mean, fine when it started. It's antiquated. But it, it, it just doesn't cut it. No. They've made modifications. They've made bonuses. They are not bonuses, but they've made, they've made improvements, but it's not great. And they kind of killed themselves because they were putting out like three games a year mm. and nobody else put out games in their genre really at all. And the thing is, is, their games are, they're visual novels, but I never, some of them were fun and some of them weren't. I mean, and right. their release I, schedule I mean, was terrible. They, they, I think they would say that they brought back the classic adventure game, that they're more than a visual mo- novel. They make you do quick time events. They make you do certain, you have to move the characters around. It's really not just sitting and reading. Right. But, and Telltale was founded by people who had a background with uh, LucasArts doing like Secret of Monkey Island. And yeah. Stuff. So they Amazing knew that. games. Right, right. But you know, the, all those games, that genre fell by the wayside after, as of the late 90s. Do you remember? LucasArts and Sierra owned the 80s and 90s. Yes. And then they went away because shooters, technology was finally there to have really good shooting experience. And you could tell a story while doing the shooter. So I read an article today. It's an older article uh, because Telltale signs were there. Telltale did a big layoff back in November. Yeah. Where they got rid of about 25% of their workforce at the time. It's like 75 people, something like 70 to 90 people, I think, employees. And yeah, that's been really interesting because they had noticed, they had severance, they got paid through the end of the year. There were recruiters. I don't know exactly what's gone on with this current set other than everything is said that it was brutal. So I don't, I, I it's have, like, no, they're like, they're not even getting like their paychecks. I don't know. The, now this is from unconfirmed Reddit, Twitter sources, tweets, but the, all the tweets I've seen is no severance. Mm. Just, just, Bye. And they just, just, just cut it off. Okay. I don't know about anything else. I mean, I've seen, uh, I, I've been lucky enough, knock on wood, to not have worked for one of the places where, um, checks would bounce and you wouldn't know if you were going to, if your check was actually going to work or not. But I've known people who've worked in situations like that. I don't know if that's where Telltale was, but I do know that from everything I've heard, no severances, no nothing. Just everybody came in on Friday and they're like, uh, you're all fired and we're keeping enough people to finish certain things up and then we're gone. Okay. Yeah. Now, I hope for, as a gamer, I hope uh, the gamer's points that they will finish the final season of The Walking Dead. I know there are a lot of people who are very invested in that storyline. Um, I've played the first one. I've not played the second one. The first one was very enjoyable, but I think one of the things that hurt them was their episodic release format for these style of games. 
because I know I never got one until it was completely out. I I was the same way, and I I mean, it's probably it's probably a mix of things. The there was an and I, I'm I don't have a link to it because I I caught I caught it in a discussion on Reddit mm-hmm. from back when they did that last release of employees, yeah, late last year. And I believe, I think it was with The Verge. It was, it was a very long piece because it did a lot of interviews with ex-employees. That sounds like The Verge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're talking about like what was going on with Telltale. It's, it's fascinating. And the perspective in the article from the former employees was that Telltale was in trouble at that time uh, for a mix of reasons. So Telltale had been around since 2004, not a particularly successful company. I knew they did games like um, the Jurassic Park game, for example, which reviewed very, very poorly. Right. The worst adventure games ever made, according to some people in terms of how it played. But then Walking Dead came. Walking Dead was incredible. Walking Dead won a ton of awards. The two uh, lead creative content people behind it got a lot of recognition for it. And as we know, they went off uh, made an indie company, made Firewatch. Yeah, which was amazing. And won a lot of awards as well. And some of the discussion with the employees was after that happened, as part of what was necessary, and maybe I think before even The Walking Dead came out, I mean, they were really hurting for money when they were doing The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't much creative interference on that team because they just had to hit the deadlines. So- Management couldn't say, we want you to change anything. They just needed the episodes to come out. They had shareholders. They brought in venture capitalists, I should say, came in. And then there was an expectation of certain performances. Then when Walking Dead did so well, the response was, there's your formula. You will do Walking Dead over and over and over. You'll call it Minecraft. You'll call it Borderlands. And you'll call it Game of Thrones. But you will do this structure. And the CEO, I believe it was the CEO when Walking Dead came, stepped down and his founding partner took over and micromanaged. By all accounts, a a very skilled programmer, by all accounts, had a lot of decent ideas, but he liked to have his hand in everything. There were a lot of accusations from former employees that he never got over, that the creative leads got all the credit for Walking Dead and that he didn't get any recognition for his part in it and that he made sure that no one on the teams ever got credit anymore. He handled all the interviews for all the future games and that they would do these management sessions where they would bring in the creative team to go over what's been developed for the game and that it was a very brutal bullying process where you would be told it was wrong, you're stupid, your ideas don't work, here's what you need to change and you need to accommodate him above all else to get the green light on anything. And that one of the managers with him loved the process because they could go and drop a turret on anything they wanted and it was just so much fun to go and do that. But that wasn't what the creative teams felt. It's a massive screed against that management style and what was going on with Telltale and just picking up all these big expensive licenses. But then you also have to run all this stuff by the license holder to make sure. Right. That, like when you play, if you've played Game of Thrones, I very much got a vi- That's one of my least favorite ones. And I just got a vibe that they just had to square so much away with what HBO was doing that it just kind of stifled it a little bit. It's still fun, but it's... Uh, just wasn't all that great. And that CEO 
stepped down and the old one came back in because there was a sense of directions and change. They were already hurting at that point. Right. So, but their critical reviews just, I mean, they never matched Walking Dead season one. No. Part of it was they lost that talent. They formed their own studio. They had another person who wasn't part of that talent, but was one of their other sort of talented individuals. I believe he went off and did made the studio that then did Oxen Free. So just like all the really good, talented people that people knew the names of went off. And that made that more aggressive CEO very bitter that if his talented people got known, they would just get stolen. And so that was also part of the purported strategy was we just can't let them know which of our people are good. Like their graphics design people were all straight out of college. And this is some of the other elements of the article that feed into this. They pay below industry average on the wages, but they're in the Bay Area. So it's a very expensive place to live. And that was very challenging. So they'd get a lot of recent college grads, put them on junior status on these projects and work them to death. Because that's where the thing that you mentioned about the episodic issue from the gamer perspective, constantly being asked to buy something can be very, very frustrating. From the worker's perspective, the problem was it was a non, it was a never ending crunch. And anyone who's ever studied video game programming, I mean, I'm not programming in general, but I mean, video game programming knows the challenges of the crunch, crunch time. Yeah. Where it's defined essentially as being expected to work over 14 hours a day, often at least six days a week until the project is finished. With Telltale, the project is never finished. Because as soon as you're done with one episode, the next episode has to be done, and then it's the next game. There were no breaks. And normal crunches just destroy, can destroy yeah. programmers. And I so mean, they had, I mean, and Telltale had a policy, has a policy, uh, apparently, of unlimited time off. But you just sack all your co, you just, you just pile all your other coworkers, your workload. So everyone felt too guilted to do it because you would just feel like you were letting your whole team down if you took any vacation. So everyone worked all the time and the reviews just got worse and the sales just got worse. I haven't bought one since Borderlands. What I hadn't realized is they were huge. I mean, all right, they're not a large studio, but they were over 300 employees. And part of that was really, again, after Walking Dead, they were flush with money all of a sudden and they just started acquiring people and thinking they were going to have this massive. Apparently they gave out t-shirts to the employees with all the planned releases of all the episodes. It was like a rock tour. Because it was so intensive with here's when episode three of Batman will come out. And here's when episode two of Walking Dead season two will come out. And here's when Michonne's adventure will come. And just all of that was just constant. And so apparently morale was crap. Pay was well, crap. That's no surprise. And so it's, it's unfortunate. But honestly, from after seeing everything I've seen, Telltale clearly has not run well enough to deserve to exist. No, so. you know, it, it definitely seems like a cautionary tale I'm on, on how not to capitalize on success. A cautionary telltale. Yes. All right. Well, with that, with that said, we made it to the end of the show. Um, we might have a guest in two weeks. We're, we're trying to work out the details. We were kind of planning on that this week, and um, it wasn't able to work out. And we had a lot of timing issues, which was fine because there's not much news to talk about anyway. <laughs> but uh, until two weeks, I'm Dennis. And I'm Tony. Uh, see ya. Bye.